0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast, where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is listening in relationships. How the fuck do you do it? Let's find out. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kind of Dating. If you like today's episode, please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it and leave us a five-star rating or review. You know what else you could do? Tell a friend. Tell two. Post about it on social media. Do all the fun things, guys. Um, we are also on social media, so you can follow us. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. I am at Natasha Chandell on Instagram. Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. I'm very opinionated there. Please don't hold anything I say against me. Um, I want to introduce our guest. She's our friend already. She's calling in from Germany. She's an amazing psychotherapist and founder, director of Sidewalk Talk, a global street listening nonprofit. Welcome back, Tracy Rubel. Yes. How's it going, girl? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> no, it's going great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. It's been a long day because you know people don't know that we we record multiple episodes at once. So this is I'm I'm going on the we're going on our third hour I think now. So you know, <laughs> but it's all it's all worth it. We love it. Um, but we're having so
1: much fun that that we're excited, right? Yes,
0: exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. This episode is fun and interesting and also what you and I have to do a lot more right now because we are not in front of each other. So uh, whenever it's phoners, I also have to be very conscious <laughs> I'm to sorry.
1: and listen. That was a very funny, that was very shun- funny shorthand. Phoners?
0: Yeah, phoners. <laughs> That's what we call it okay. in, the, in the media world. We're like, hey, okay. uh, we're going to have a phoner tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to be your phoner.
0: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're talking about listening. I yeah. will admit that being the youngest in my family, always being the shortest in class, I've always been a petite, mm. small person. Um, I'm going to say that one more time. I have been, because <laughs> we had a little thing. Um, I have to admit that as Uh, the youngest in my family, uh, the shortest person in my classes, um, as a very petite person, um, and sort of young-looking, which, yeah, I obviously am, but I'm just saying I also look it. Um, I've always had to, like, fight to be heard, Uh, and it's one of the reasons Mm. I also think I came up with sort of a big personality was because of that, and I think Mm. the most annoying thing anybody can do to me is like not listen. Um, mm. And it triggers all kinds of like, Rah! it's like the Hulk in me comes out. Um, yeah. So I, I I, mean, let's just start from the top. So because listening is very important in relationships. Um, and we do a lot of talking, myself included, mm-hmm. and not a lot of listening. Mm-hmm. So why is that?
1: Well, some of it's cultural, right? I mean, we want there's kind of this clamoring, we want to be heard, right? So we don't necessarily think that somebody's got to be doing the listening. Um, you, there's, you've heard this before, but you don't see a lot of public listening skills. You see a lot of public speaking skills. Mm. Um, we tend to be a society that values extroverts more than introverts and i'm an extrovert but i love my introvert friends and i i want them to be valued too and then i also realize that there are some blocks for listening some people believe that if i listen that i have less authority and power than if i'm talking Right. So true. And they believe that if they're listening, it means they agree with what the person is saying. And so therefore, I'm not going to listen because I don't want to bump up against something that I don't agree with. And I definitely don't want to give away any power.
0: Right. Because especially, you know, uh, I'm sure you've probably heard a lot of this, but in dating and pol- like people talk about politics and it becomes very hard for people to even listen to something they don't agree with. Or, you know, of course, we try to tell people don't talk about politics on a first date, maybe. But if it is something that you're very passionate about um, and it comes out, it's so difficult, like you said, because I think if people feel like they've they're listening, that they are somehow accepting it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like we need to rebrand listening in a way, right? Because actually, when you look at different leadership research, leaders that have the most influence are often the best listeners. So it's quite the opposite, actually. You have more agency and authority, the better listener you are, right? Second, if you you really want to get to know someone, what they've shown is that the more that you listen and empathize, the more a person will reveal their secrets to you. Right? So again, you have more authority. And the third is listening does never, listening never means that you are sanctioning what the person is saying. And that's the piece I think that we need to rebrand the most because It's just finding out who is this person in front of me.
0: Oh, yeah. On dates, especially, uh, of course, by nature of what I do, I tend to ask more questions and I I understand which questions to ask. But I also love it because whenever I ask more questions, I get more information. And I just almost Mm -hmm. like love when people go on because I'm like, oh, they didn't even know what they said to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I went on a date recently and he said uh, something something came up and and I think I I either asked or or made a comment purposely about um, open relationships and he went into a whole thing of like oh yeah and then I and and he he made a comment I said (laughs) are you into open relationships and then he was like well I mean. Yeah, I, I've I've done it before. And like, I'm definitely curious again. And then he turned it to me and he's like, what about you? And I said, nope. And then that's all I said. And he was like, well, I mean, I'm I'm not either. I, it doesn't actually work. <laughs> I just find it to be like a very curious thing. And like, yeah, I mean, of course, poly relationships. Like, how do you? How, and he just kept going. And I was just like cracking up in my head because I was like, ha, got you say. <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of information people can get and sort of, but good information too, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's not about manipulating a person to, to sort of overshare. It, it it really is also to convey a sense of I'm interested in you. You're safe here with me and I want to know who you are. And when you create that circumstance, you're not just going to get information. You're also going to feel more connected to them. So turns out that if you do have a lot in common and the person isn't into poly relationships and is into monogamy like this guy it means that they're going to feel a sense of connection to you and want to ask you out on a second date right yes but if you're sort of in this perpetual interview with them where you're kind of interviewing them and not really listening or you feel like you're giving them a monologue about all your best attributes listening is the prerequisite for connection and if 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 you're not doing it, then you're not maybe gonna get a second date because they're gonna feel like, oh my God, they're not interested in me or they're kind of full of themselves, you know?
0: Hey, it's Adam, the audio engineer for Kinda Dating. Like so many of you, I've been feeling isolated, helpless and vulnerable with the spread of coronavirus. It's changing the world and I wanted to do something to help out. So I recorded a short acoustic song called Pandemic with my band, Punk Odyssey, which you can go download now in the iTunes store. This is a fundraiser track to aid the fight against COVID-19, so half of all proceeds will be donated to Direct Relief, who have been helping supply our front lines with protective masks, gloves, and isolation gowns. Search the iTunes store for my new song, Pandemic, by Punk Odyssey. You'll get some rock, and it's for a great cause. Everyone stay safe. And now, back to the show. I was obviously trying to research a little bit about this. Um, Are there different types of listening? Like deep listening versus active listening? So, yes, there are all kinds
1: of listening, right? There's empathic listening. There's active listening. Active listening and reflective listening are kind of the same thing. Um, At Sidewalk Talk, we call it heart-centered listening. There's compassionate listening. Um, You know, some psychoanalysts are, are listening for deeper unconscious material yeah, active listening and reflective listening are kind of the basics really good for everyone to take some kind of workshop in those because great application for dating
0: and for work active and reflective
1: yeah oh okay so it's if it's very so i like the word reflect so I'll, let me give you a little background so Carl Rogers was the guy who created reflective listening and then gosh who was it it was um, uh, I think it was Richard Ferson who like changed the name to active listening and um, a guy by the name of Thomas Gordon kind of made it famous got it out there and marketed it but really Carl Rogers was the founder and the original name was reflective listening and it's the thing if any of your listeners have been in couples therapy it's when the couples therapist will say can you repeat back what that person just said can you turn to them and repeat what you think you heard and so it's a lot of re- paraphrasing what the person said and repeating it back to them it's kind of the listening skills 101 now i like to go a little deeper with it cuz some people complain that that can feel formulaic but when you're first starting out it's it's a great thing to begin practicing i will say this if you're ever in a fight with someone And you want to sort of get out of that fight, switch to reflective listening because it'll change the entire game of that fight if you can do it.
0: No, I actually have an amazing example of that where uh, people on the podcast might have heard I used to be in love with this guy. (laughs) called Australia. Um, He's an ex (laughs) of mine that we just couldn't be together because he had to move back to Australia. Um, But we've always sort of loved each other for many, many years and and always sort of wanted to be together. And I recently had to let it all go um, because shit just came to a head. And one big thing is uh, I was just trying to basically say, hey, here's some sort of logical things we need to be thinking about And if if we don't feel like we can sort of solve this logistical matter, then I think it's time to sort of let it go, because it's been so many years. He got very, very upset, like super, super upset. And so I asked him to like the next morning and I said, Hey, can you just sort of let me know what you heard? So that hmm. I just sort of know that we're on the same page. And he got very defensive and was like, I know what I heard. Don't worry about it. Like I'm smart. And I, and I was like, okay. And, but what he was saying and what I was trying to say, just, it, it didn't match. And I was like, I don't think he heard, but I don't know what to say at this point. Cause this person's saying that they feel like they heard me. And then of course later as this, I started to unpack more and more and more. He literally didn't hear me at all correctly. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I had to restate everything. And then he was like, oh, oh, I guess I didn't really hear you. And I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was trying just say, just tell me back what you heard. Could have spared me four hours. But, um, it, you know, uh, what do you do in those times when when somebody is like, I heard you.
1: Well, I think you already answered. I mean, what you did was beautiful, which is you asked him to to repeat it. And you actually brought up a thing that I missed, which is when you reflective listen, it's where you get to adjust and make sure that the person actually did hear you. Because so often we think we hear someone, but we have, you know, all of our brains have filters in them based on our life experience. uh, When I work with couples, I tell them oh, look, you guys are arguing over who owns objective reality. I have a little one-liner. I say there is no objective reality. There are only two subjective realities. So we can sit in this room all day long and argue over who owns objective reality. Or you can each hear where this person is coming from and what their reality is. And I try to sort of get that across because I want couples to just start to let go that there's one concrete reality in life. There's not. We all come with our own reality. And when we reflective listen, we say to the person, did I get your reality right? We're not trying to say your reality is wrong or I somehow agree with your reality. There is no there's no real reality to agree with. Like we have all the, you saw, you see life totally different than I do. I'm sure of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me to get to know you, I have to just completely immerse myself in your experience and keep reflecting it back. Did I get that right? Is, am I understanding you right? And if somebody doesn't want to listen, God, that one's hard for me too. I got to tell you, I am. Um, I don't know that a lot of couples come see me if, if they don't want to listen because they know that I run this listening project too, but I sell it pretty hard. I'm like, look, you, you, you kind of got to do it. It's sort of the bedrock of connection. So if you've got a partner that comes to you and says, well, I already heard you, um, that response, I think that he did hear a part of what you'd said, but he was so hurt by what he heard that he, at some point he shut his brain down and didn't hear the rest. Mm -hmm. So what I might do in that instance is come back and say, hey, it sounds like something that you heard me say left you feeling hurt. And I want you to be able to hear the whole thing before you, you know, shut your brain off because you're hurt.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of adding to that, it it did come to a bigger head where now we're not we're not speaking because he did the one thing. That can set me off, which is, mm. you know, uh, what's the what's the term that they call it? God damn it. I always forget this term. Um, the four horsemen of the apocalypse term where they shut you out.
1: Oh, the John, the John Gottman yeah. um, stone yeah. Stonewall. Yes.
0: And mm-hmm. so, you know, the twice I've ever really, really, really been angry, angry in a relationship mm-hmm. where like I lose it. Angry was like with my ex who I was living with and he had cheated on me. But when he wanted to talk, I had to be available at any hour. So he would call mm-hmm. me while I was at work over and over and over and over and over again until I had to leave a meeting. Sorry, <coughs> to talk to him. And I remember being like, this is insane. But anytime I came with an issue... And it was like during a calm time, like at home, he would walk away, close the door, shut me out, not answer a phone, just not speak to me for like a day or two. And it infuriated me like I lost it. I was screaming and it takes me so Mm -hmm. much to get me to scream. And so Australia sort of did the same thing where when I he, you know, spent days asking me questions and I listened and I responded back I spent hours called me at one in the morning I was like all right let's talk and then when I asked questions two questions in I don't want to have this discussion literally Mm. just got off the text and that's it and I just was like oh okay cool noted (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that to me is like why does it bug us so much when why is it so distressing when somebody doesn't listen to us Mm.
1: Well, I mean, for me, I, I still see it all through this attachment lens, right? So it especially bugs us when someone we're dating doesn't listen to us. It's the worst possible because, you know, when we're little tiny babies, we have this biological drive that's called attachment that gets us to like home. Like we're like a little... Our parents are like little, we have homing beacons that have us, has us monitor where mom and dad are, where our caregivers are, if it's not mom and dad, um, because it's sort of built in because we, human animals don't survive in the wild when we're little babies. So this is, you know, it's just, it's biology really. And whenever there's disruptions to our uh, seeking of connection with mom and dad, or our caregivers, we develop defense mechanisms, right? You know, granted, there's lots of kids are really resilient. There's lots of room to be an imperfect parent. This is not a blaming parent thing. Um, But if there's something that happens repeatedly over time, we develop these defense mechanisms. Um, But what we found is that in romantic relationships, those same attachment drives light back up in our brain. So Mm -hmm. that you know how you're seeking your caregivers and where are you? Where are you? You've got to stay close enough to me. We do the same thing with romantic partners and it's completely biological. Mm. If we have any injuries around attachment, we also act those injuries out with romantic partners. I have so many couples come in and they tell me, why do I do this with my romantic partner and I don't do this with anyone else? I'm like, well, that's because of this biological thing that we do called attach. It's not just psychological. It's in your nervous system, too. Sounds like both these guys had a, a, an avoidance streak, right? Which mm-hmm. meant that they weren't able to tolerate any of the vulnerability that you might bring to them not just because it was your vulnerability, but I suspect they were imagining that they were going, so either they were avoiding or they were anxious. They were either avoiding because it was too much for them or they were anxious and they were afraid you were going to leave them and they didn't want to hear what you had to say because you were going to abandon them.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, definitely think it was probably the latter of of the two. But also just, yeah, some people feel like if – if you sort of bring attention to the problems that they feel they are the problem. And I've always been like, you're not the problem. I'm just saying there is a problem. <laughs> it doesn't mean you are That's the right. problem. It's just, there's a problem, Yeah. but you can't fix a problem. If you're not going to talk That's about right. it and it just makes the problem worse. Cause then I see you as the problem.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I am no, I'm no, I am no cup of tea to date either. And what I always want to say to people that are dating is, is that we just have to choose someone that has the kind of problems that work well for us.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Cause we've all got them. Right. And ultimately if you enter into some kind of long-term relationship with someone, your goal is going to be not to eradicate all the problems. I tell couples when they come to see me, that's not possible. I do shit now in my relationship that I'm going to be doing until I go to the dirt. I'm not perfect. And there are just some things that aren't going to change about me, right? But what we want to do is figure out what our blueprint is, what the feedback loop is that we tend to get caught in and have the skills to get out of it over and over a hundred times in a relationship of a thousand times, right? It's normal. So it would have been really cool if this guy, if Australia had mm-hmm. said you know, after he kind of like avoided, had come back to you and say, you know what, I realized that I shut you down. And that I noticed that when it, so then he tracks the pattern. I noticed that when you tried to talk to me about your feelings, I did this thing where I assume it's going to be something bad. And then I get anxious that you're going to leave. And instead of telling you that I just blow up at you and then shut down. And then you go, "Oh, honey, thanks for saying that." Right? That's how a couple does it. Yeah, I was waiting for it. You don't have <laughs> you don't ever get over it. You just kind of are constantly repairing and catching yourself in the things that you don't do. I mean, obviously if it's all fights and all repairs, then that's not good. But totally. but you're going to have some for sure. And so that's why listening when someone doesn't listen to us it's lighting up all that attachment stuff mm. and it's biologically wired in. It's not in just our psychology. It's in our nervous system. It's part of our animal brain. Like we are designed to seek out that romantic partner and we want their facial expression and their listening coming back at us. Otherwise, we're going to have a biological response to that.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, how do you have any tips on how people can be better listeners, especially when you're in a conversation that you might not agree with. Like, how do you stop yourself from shouting back in between or, you know, answering point by point? Like, hey, stop. This is what I think. Okay, now go. Yeah. Point two. Well, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, so at Sidewalk Talk, the, the listening project that I, that I run, <laughs> we actually came up with something that was different. There's, there's so much out there about active listening. And I actually wanted to get to that. I wanted to create a model that sort of addressed what happens, how do you keep listening when you're really worked up? And so we developed a model called HERE. And it stands for honor, embody, assumptions check, and then reflect. Okay. Mm. And honor is very much like getting yourself into a Zen place, right? You think of mindfulness. So this person says, I just voted for this person. And it's like this person that you can't stand, right? You're going to come with an intention, though, to honor who this person is, what they believe, and why they believe it. And what we have found is that when you show up with that energy, you actually invite the most honorable parts of that person to come forward. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to jump down their throat for everything that, that, I mean, certainly there are some things. I mean, if somebody's racist, I don't know. I might have a harder time hanging out, right? There are lines in the sand. So I don't want to invite anyone to be a Pollyanna here, but I do believe that outside of some lines in the sand that you already know to be true for yourself, that if we can get in that sort of Zen intentional place of honoring this person, no matter what, it'll calm us down in the moment. The second is we talk about embodying yourself. Okay. So the reason, is everybody forgets that our nervous systems are always operating. We've got a heart rate. We've got this vagal, nervous, vagal nerve that runs from our brain stem all the way down into the soft tissues of our organs. And it's scanning. It's using what's called proprioception scanning. Am I connected here? Am I safe here? And when you're tracking body sensation, you can stay calmer. So you really want to be embodied in tracking things like your breath and your heart rate, and whether your stomach's clenching, and your jaw is tight. And if you can focus on relaxing some of those things, it'll help you honor this person and not flip out because you disagree, okay? The third is assumptions check. This is as much about bias, could be racial bias, gender bias, and just the shit you learn from your family about things to judge, right? we judge people a lot and the brain is doing that because we're trying to figure out who's like us and who's not like us. And you can't, no matter what you do, you can't stop the brain from doing that. Okay. But what you can do is catch yourself when you're doing it and set it aside. So the brain's always going to do that, but you've got to catch yourself doing that and set it aside. And this would be key dating. Okay. Because we want to find that middle ground between Judging someone to figure out if we're going to go on a second date with them and setting that aside and just going, who is this person? I don't know yet if I want to go on a second date with them. I'm not going to try to look for everything that's wrong about them, right? I am just going to be a blank slate here and try to set all of my assumptions aside that, oh, this is evidence that they're going to be bad at this and this is evidence that they're – so that they'll tell me more, right? And then the last is respond, which is really – uh, right off of that act of listening stuff, reflecting back what you heard, um, not just what you've heard, but kind of the tone that they're using. Like someone might say three paragraphs, and I'll say, "Gosh, you just sound so excited about that job opportunity." So it may not be regurgitating all the words, but maybe the feeling that goes with it is. I, I know I kind of droned no, on no, there no, a little no, bit, but does that helpful. does that makes does that make sense? It's just, it's a more because there's so much that goes that's it, that is a prerequisite before you even use skills. And that's getting in that Zen place with someone to intend to honor them in the listening.
0: Yeah, because would you say that's the same kind of technique, the here technique for how to listen to if you are being criticized or or somebody saying you're wrong? Yes. Or acknowledging that you're wrong.
1: Absolutely. Because again, when you're listening like this, Even if someone's criticizing you, you want them to tell you all the things. You want to stay inside your body so you can stay calm. But remember, when you're hearing them, listening doesn't mean you agree. And if I had one wish, especially for for people in the workplace, if we can become more resilient and hear criticisms about ourselves, it'll just skyrocket our career, too. And frankly, during the date. Because maybe this isn't going to be the person we're going to go on a second date with. But if they tell us some stuff that we can apply to our next date, that's pretty cool, too. It it takes some courage, though. I don't like I don't like being criticized. Not easy.
0: But yeah, and maybe there's like a it. kind way to tell people like I, I actually did tell the guy who talked to me about the open poly stuff um, in a very polite way. He asked me for date two and I said, hey, honestly, like I had a really, really great time, but I kind of thought about it and I realized that given my history, like I probably wouldn't feel safe in the situation um which is just a feeling that is important to me but like that's not saying you're wrong or anything it's just it's not a fit for me um and then you know he of course tried to justify for a bit and and I was like hey completely hear you i still sort of feel the same way so i wish you well mm-hmm. <laughs> and like not you know mm-hmm. and i hope i don't know i don't know if that was like the, the right thing to do, but I, well, I tried to do it in a nice no, way. No, you
1: did great, but it would have been cool if he could have used the here model when he was listening to you. It sounds like he got defensive.
0: Yeah, he definitely tried to convince me that that's not what he meant. And I was like, no, no, I'm, again, I'm not here to say w- what's true or not. I'm just saying, you know yourself better than I do. And I just have yeah, to Yeah, it would have been so cool if me. he'd
1: said, if he'd said, oh gosh, so what I'm hearing you say, Natasha, is that enough of me to to let me know that this probably isn't going to work and it sounds like when I shared with you about my proclivities for polyamory that it's just not something that's going to work for you is that is that what you're letting me know
0: yeah it would have been so cool a, if yeah, he had said totally that. it would have been awesome yeah um but you know we're we it's a it's a, we're all a work in progress. Um, so you know, for anybody listening, we we all can get better about this, myself included. Um, one question I did have before we wrap this episode out is: What are the healthy boundaries? Because, like again, when I was doing some of this research, there were some stories I was reading about people who feel that they listen too much and that mm-hmm. people take advantage of them for being listeners and. And that they get lost in that conversation back and forth. So mm-hmm. how do you set those like healthy right. boundaries to, especially in a relationship, like, yes, okay, I'm listening to you, but how do you also articulate and make, make sure you are also sort of heard that balance? Mm-hmm.
1: So remember we said honor and then I said embody. So the body is a really great indicator. If you start to get tense when you're listening, when I said embody in the, in the here. A model what our bodies sometimes tell us isn't maybe always that we're just being judgmental sometimes our bodies are also saying i'm tensing my jaw right now because a boundary of mine is being crossed okay mm-hmm. so that becomes a little flashing sign that says pay attention maybe i need to say no here right i tend to get kind of um a tenseness in the front of my chest and my belly when I'm I'm kind of saturated and I can't listen anymore, right? Or if I'm dreading talking to somebody, I'm like, ooh, if you start to have dread that I don't want to hear the download from this person again. Um, I do think that there has to be some preemptive work too where you know what you, it's back to this idea that you have to know what you stand for, right? And so if you know what you stand for. And like, these are topics I'm not willing to talk about. Or um, if somebody's like, just always a Debbie Downer, maybe that's not a, you know, there has to be some balance. So I've got to put a limit on that. You've got to know what you stand for. And then you can preemptively set set boundaries. Like, for example, here's a preemptive boundary at Sidewalk Talk. Nobody's allowed to use their cell phones while they're sitting in the listener chair, even if they don't have a talker, because we want people when they're walking by to know that somebody's there and available to connect. And there's nothing that says I'm not available than someone's face and a phone. But if you don't set those expectations with those volunteers ahead of time, Maybe it's a little scarier to go up when someone's a new volunteer to say, hey, you need to put your cell phone away. Mm. Same thing in dating, right? If you have a new date and you say, hey, um, just so you know, it's I'm one of those people that has a thing with time. And maybe it's the opposite of what you think I'm going to say. I tend to be late. And I've tried to change this about myself, but I want to let you know so that you don't feel if I'm late and I'm going to try not to be it's got to own it that's actually a kind of different kind of boundary but it's still letting the person know or if the person if you are sucked into doing all the listening you might say hey I'm wondering if I could share a little bit with you and just take up more space and ask for them to do some listening. I know it seems edgy and scary to do, but it might be that you're hiding behind your listening. I did. I did. I I worked with a couple once where the, the woman claimed that, you know, it's all about him, it's all about him. Guy ended up learning to become a really good listener, and then it turned out that she had a really hard time being vulnerable. Mm. So she was hiding behind this whole, he takes up all the space, he learned to sit back and listen. And then she was terrified to be vulnerable. So so it's always so interesting what's going on there, but boundaries are, um, such an important part of loving someone. I love this idea that good boundaries lead to good connection because otherwise you're just like a big marsh. You're just like a big marshmallow. There's no like there, there, you know,
0: yeah, totally. I'm, I am all for boundaries. <laughs> um, I had to learn that the hard way. Um, Tracy, this was amazing. Um, it was so fun. I, I feel like we've gotten so much information from you. We would definitely love to have you back. Uh, and, you know, sure, we have millions of topics we can talk about and you're amazing. So we would love to have you back. Um, Thank you, though, for being on this podcast. How can people find you, Sidewalk Talk, anything around you?
1: Yeah. So the Sidewalk Talk Instagram account is at Sidewalk Talk org. And the Tracy Rubel Instagram is Tracy Rubel, T-R-A-C-I-R-U-B-L-E. And you can find information there. And I did want to remind everyone something we didn't cover with listening. When in doubt, enjoy this person. If you just focus on enjoying this person, you will be a good listener. So I want to leave folks with that because I think that that is the easiest one to remember.
0: That is a really (laughs) great message. I love that. Um, And we're going to have all of your um, socials and links to your website in our description. So, guys, you can always get it there. Um, Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Natasha. Um, friends, follow us. We're also on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. I am at Natasha Chandell on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandell official on Facebook. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you could please take a few seconds and review us on iTunes and download the rest of our shows, we'd be so grateful. Also, send us your dating, dating stories and thoughts to kindadating of at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co host. Our producer is Adam Pineless, and our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yennick and K. Daniel Ellis.